0: Coming to you live from the Cross Country Mortgage Campus in Berea, Ohio, this is Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Here are your hosts, Bo Bishop and Nathan Zagura.
1: Welcome into Cleveland Browns Daily, Nathan Zagura alongside the three-time, three-time, three-time Super Bowl champion, Gerard Cherry today, and we are, he's in for Bo Bishop, We got a lot to cover on the show, obviously, so we'll do that. We're going to hear potentially from Deshaun Watson live today on the program, which is a lot of fun. Uh, But first, let me just welcome in Gerard, sign line reporter for the Cleveland Browns and obviously much, much more king of all media in Cleveland. Really, you'll hear him tonight on the Kevin Stefanski Show with me as well. What's up, Gerard?
2: Hey, everything's well, Nate Dogg. How are you?
1: I'm good, man. Obviously, you know. Disappointed where we are with this season being over in terms of playoff possibilities, but at the same time, you know, an opportunity to go play a little bit of spoiler, go down into Washington, a team that has scenarios in which they could clinch clinch the playoffs this week, and then scenarios in which they could be eliminated from the playoffs this week, and, and as a player, Gerard, when you're in this situation, obviously you weren't in it certainly in New England, but if you are in this situation, how do you deal with it? What's the mindset? How do you approach these final two games?
2: Oh, I've dealt with it in New Orleans, believe me, Nathan, and it's really simple what you do. You go out there and say there are 32 teams that will be watching some, in some capacity as they do their advanced scouting for who they want to be involved in their football team and make sure that every time I step on this football field, I make my presence felt from a assignment standpoint, and just being productive as well. So that's how you have to approach it, especially when you're on a team that has a losing record. Now, there's some guys due to their contract situation, you know that they're part of this future, and they're the core, and they're just simply going to be here. But for those guys where there's a question mark, where your contract is kind of up in the air and all the guaranteed money is gone, you hate to come bring it down to this because I think, Nathan, you always play better when it's not just about your contract but about the team trying to get somewhere, like the playoffs and then the – AFC, sure. NFC Championship, or the Super Bowl. But ultimately now, you have to think, let me go out there and perform so I can have some sense of longevity in the National Football League.
1: All right, Gerard, you're exactly right. Good points there. The eye in the sky don't lie. But let's go now to the podium and hear from Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson.
3: Uh, my biggest focus is just trying to you know, get acclimated to, you know, the organization, to how we run things from practice to, you know, regular game weeks to on um, game day. Um, you know, some so much of the weather I can't really control. Uh, that's out of my control. So my main focus is really just preparing myself to, you know, get ready and be the best I can be for us to have a chance to win on Sundays. Amari
4: says that uh, he hopes to work with you a lot in the off season uh, and that he's kind of asking you where you're going to be. Uh, So how important do you
3: think that's going to be and and where might you guys work out the training? Uh, I'm not exactly sure uh, exactly where we're going to work out, but uh, we're definitely going to get, you know, time to, you know, get the, I guess, the timing and everything that we want for the next season um, adjusted and, and, and well repped out. And then for anybody else, you know, I know it's going to be a lot of changes. That's how the NFL roster and season goes, especially in the offseason. So, you know, after the season, we'll talk with Kevin and talk with A.B. and, you know, try to give a, a guess of who's going to be here and then get everyone, you know, that, especially offensively, that just can, you know, come out and you know, train with us and be on the same page so we can get as much as many reps as we can to catch up.
5: With two games left, do you feel like it's possible to end this season feeling as comfortable as you were at the end of 2020? Or is there just not enough games, you know, having whatever, six games to end the
3: season? Um, I mean, yeah, it's, a, it's two opportunities for me uh, personally to be able to get as close as I can to where I was before. Um, but like I mentioned before, you know, I don't want to be a just – where I was in 2020, I want to be better than that. So, you know, each and every time, you know, I step on the field, it's my opportunity to get better as a quarterback, learn something new, situational, um, you know, condition wise to, you know, operational wise to play calling, everything that I can to be able to you know, get myself, you know, up to date. So when I step back on the field, um, you know, in 2023 that, you know, we don't have those problems anymore.
5: You said everybody will feel it when stuff clicks, right? You said do I, sorry? You, you, I think you said that everybody will feel it when it starts to click. For sure, click. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Is it hard to have that patience waiting for that, for that moment to
3: happen? Uh, I have a lot of patience, to be honest. Uh, I've been waiting patiently for two years, so uh, patience is not a problem for me. Uh, you know, so I, I just put my head down and, and just grind and just work out. And, and just train as much as I can to, to make sure when that time comes and that moment comes, you know, we'll be ready to go and roll.
6: When you talk about um, you know, using this time to get comfortable with the organization and how things operate, et cetera, et cetera, where, where is your comfort level? right now? How do you feel about just, um, I guess, the, the rhythm of everything and, and how things are, are fitting together?
3: Um, you know, I feel very comfortable. I don't have a percentage or, you know, a, a, a level of where, I'm comfortable but I'm you know pretty comfortable I'm, I'm happy um, I'm enjoying this process I'm enjoying the, the, the each and every day you know getting to know everyone I don't know everyone in the building so you know I'm still getting you know to know everyone and, and how things kind of operate who I need to talk to outside of football or within football so um, you know that, that is just a, a process that's it's not just for right now. It's, it's the long run, and that's why I, you know came to Cleveland. It's not about right now. It's the it's the long run. So um, that's what I'm looking forward to. When
6: you talk about many different things every time, including conditions, how do you evaluate your play from this past Saturday?
3: Uh, it was good. I mean, we watched the tape. Um, offensively, we did what he, what we needed to do. We had the opportunities to make plays and you know win the game, and we just didn't capitalize on those. So you
6: know. Talking to some of the guys off the game, the ball, basically was like a block of ice. Right. Obviously, you're throwing it. And I, I, I noticed you, a lot of your throws were like lasers. Um, did you have that in your mind that you had to do that to cut through the wind? And also, is there a balance there? Because also, it's hard for you guys to catch the ball in those conditions.
3: Um, I mean, yeah, you got to have a balance. Um, you know, there's a couple balls that you know, I threw. One to Amari that... You know, I didn't put too much velocity on it, but the wind caught it and went over his head. Another one, the DPJ on the fourth down, it kind of sailed over his head. With, it caught the wind, and then also you seen early on, you know, the second play of the game where I try to throw a drag route to Amari, the wind caught it, and the same with DPJ. I'm mean, not DPJ, David uh, Chief, on the rollout on the bootleg. You know, it, it, the wind caught it and it kind of floated up. So. You know, like I said, you can't really control that. You just got to know on certain routes, certain throws, that you got to try to fire it in there where you can. And sometimes if you can't catch the win at the right time, that you can, you know, Washington. Uh, so so. Alex,
6: you talked about your footwork this morning and about how important that's going to be the last like couple of weeks of the season. how do you feel like that's come along since that first game back against Houston, and do you still feel like you have room to, to improve to get back kind
3: of back to normal? Oh, I always have room to improve. Um, I'm never satisfied. I'm never comfortable never complacent. So uh, for me, yeah, I'm always continue to, to get my footwork. This is a new system for me. You know, I, I was so used to a different system back in Houston where, you know, I kind of control my own footwork and depending on timing and different things like now. but this system is more, you know, timing and rhythm, so I have to get used to that, and, you know, time being away, I had to try to adjust, and when I came back, some things shifted and moved, so uh, I'm still getting comfortable with that, still getting used to that, but, um, you know, it's, it's actually, you know, getting better each and every week.
0: Touchdowns have been hard to come by, and they've been mitigating circumstances, That first of it's just coming back, and the bad weather... So this is going to be a good weather day. you got your full team on offense. Would you expect an uptick in touchdowns
3: in this game? I'm always expecting that. We don't go into a game not thinking that way, regardless of the weather. You know, last week we thought that we can put up however many points that we can um, you know once those opportunities come we got to take advantage of that, but we can't force the issue we got to do the little things and, and make sure we have our opportunities to get down there to put up points so um, yeah this is an opportunity for us to be able to continue to improve as an offense as a whole and as a team to go out there score points and, and show what the Cleveland Browns is about. Hey, how rusty
4: you were in the first game in Houston. <laughs> How do you feel about
3: the progress that you have made since then? It's been getting, I feel very comfortable with it. Um, The progress is is continuing to grow each and every every week. Um, Yeah, the stats might not show it and it might not say, but you know, right now this is like I said before, this is not about any statistic or anything like that. It's about me improving as a quarterback, getting back in the rhythm, getting in the rhythm of this offense and this in this team. And as far as my decision making and, and you know, reads and, and throws and timing and everything like that, it's been getting better each and every week. And so, you know, my main focus is listening to what, you know, Kevin, Drew, A V P and, and the staff have to say and what they feel like I'm getting, you know, better at and uh, not so much of what the outside people are
1: saying. Specific area, you feel like
7: you've made the most progress over these these last four four plus
3: weeks? Uh, just operationally, uh, just being able to operate in, in the system, uh, not having maybe probably one operational penalty in four games. As I think, maybe two, but. Uh, that's really good, um, and, and then just being able to, you know, control my footwork within the system, and just being able to you know, have opportunities to make plays.
0: Your touchdown oh, run was a design run, was an improvised call yeah. run. Were uh, there
3: enough of those in the, in the game? Uh, of course it is. It is.
8: Has it
6: increased every game? It's-
3: uh, we'll see. I'm not sure.
6: I'll take the opposite side of Chris's question. What bothers you the most right now? What is not working
3: for you that you feel like it should be um, Of course, you know, offensively, especially as a quarterback, offensively, we want to score more points. So, not just for me, but just for the whole offense, you know, we want to score points and put ourselves in a position to, you know, put a game away and help our defense out, our special teams out. And I know it's a, you know, it's a team game, and we have to complement each other. But, you know, we can help ourselves offensively, and, you know, I take pride of that. Um, and I take full control and responsibility of that. So, you know, just whatever we need to do to figure out each and every week, uh, going against a different, you know, philosophy and a different team and a different coordinator, you know, we've got to find ways to put more points on the board.
6: You've been in this spot before where you're not in the playoffs and the guys are kind of playing it out. What do you find out about teammates in,
3: in situations like this? Uh, you know, pretty much who loves football. You know, and then, you know, I think everyone especially in this locker room understand that, you know, each and every week, regardless if you're in the playoffs or not in the playoffs, this is an opportunity for you to evaluate yourself and for other teams to evaluate yourself. Um, because this is a this is a business. So you never know, regardless if, you know, you have this many years on your country or don't. You know, every every game is an opportunity for you to go out there and put film out there for the Nets team or the Nets opponent or the Nets whoever job opportunity you have, you know, to I guess improve and, and show that you're capable of playing in this
6: league. When you watch that defense, what makes them so pesky and feisty?
3: you can tell that they play together and they understand their philosophy and what they want to do on defense. Um, you know, it's of course starting up front with all you know five, four or five of those first rounders up front, and then you know it us in to the linebackers to the secondary. They play with confidence um, and they know who they are. So you know, we got to go out there and we can't you know slack in any area we gotta make sure that we try to you know, go out there and win our uh, one-on-one matchups because you know there's no real weaknesses in our defense. you know. So we gotta go out there and we respect them and we respect every player on that team. You
5: mentioned you can't just pay attention to the stats. Is it a tough adjustment um, coming to a climate where maybe you have to look beyond the stats because the numbers aren't gonna look like they did for you um, when you're playing inside the
3: thing? Like I said, my main focus is winning. I came to Cleveland to win the Super Bowl. So by any means, if that's throwing the ball five times or throwing the ball forty times and scoring five touchdowns and scoring zero touchdowns, as long as we win, that's all I really matter and that's all I really care about. So the stats and stuff like that, I've done that before. I've had opportunities before. I led the lead in passing before. Um, scored a lot of touchdowns. Did Pro Bowls. All that stuff. So like I said, my ultimate goal is trying to get that ring, and I'm gonna do whatever I can to be able to try to have the
0: opportunity. Nick Chubb, the way you run the football, is that kind of something you expected, maybe the stats to kind of drop down because of the way you guys run the ball, because of kind of the offense that you're in? Is
3: it more about kind of that balance than it is about your stats? I can say, I doubt Kevin is going into each and every game plan thinking that, you know, he's trying to get somebody's stats or anything like that. Like I said, the stats and all that stuff is for the outside media and the outside people, the fans to talk about. But when you're going in each and every week, you got to adjust. You know, you got certain teams that take away the run game and want us to pass and vice versa. So, um, you know, you got to go in each and every week thinking that you're going to have opportunities. And, and when those opportunities come, each person got to take advantage of it. So you never know how those stats are going to, you know, shape up and shape out. So, you know, we have, of course, it's a transition for me to coming in uh, as a quarterback. We do a little bit different stuff than the previous quarterback. So. Um, you know, we all adjusting and learning on the fly. Just the
4: last Two more. Last play of the
0: game. What
6: prevented you from releasing the ball? Were
0: you looking at certain things?
3: Or? No, the guy made a good play. They had a great coverage. No one was open. Um, I stepped up and 96. I think it was 96. Made a good play. Uh, like I mentioned before, you know, I can't end the game uh, with the ball in my hands, but you got to give the Saints credit. They made a great play. He came in late and he made the play.
7: We
4: just Sean, after every you. single uh, loss, like you guys had on Saturday, Kevin ends up back on the hot seat and everybody wants to run him out of town. Uh, so my question to you, because I know you mentioned last week that you guys had a, a good meeting, but my question to you is, how important is it for you to build on what you and Kevin started this year to move forward together and you know to continue on in
3: Yeah, it's very important to be able to build that, that opportunity, that trust, and that you know, chemistry b- between each other. You know, we only had four games with each other, uh, you know, a little bit of off season, but, uh, you know, we want to do that. But, you know, that hot seat stuff and all that, that's for, you know, media and the talk and, and stuff like that. You know, um, people that make those decisions, is, it does the right thing for this organization. Um, but we all trust Kevin. We love Kevin. We support Kevin. We respect Kevin and everything that he about, you know, about, you know, the Cleveland Browns. And so, Um, Yeah, we're going to continue to build that trust and build that chemistry and and look for the future. All right, that's Deshaun
1: Watson at the podium there, Gerard, talking about a lot of things, the changes. And and something that stood out to me was talking about how different the footwork is in this system. And so it's not just reading defenses. It's not just running plays that are new, but it's marrying your feet to the system and the way that they want it done. Uh, What stood out to you about that press conference there from Deshaun Watson?
2: Well, I just love how he takes accountability – For leadership in this football team, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and just telling it like it is. For some of these guys, there's 32 teams watching you, and we need to figure out who's going to be here, and you can help yourself in that process. And then when going through explaining what took place in the game, I don't hear a guy shying away from the questions and giving you what I call coach speak or player talk, but answering the questions and telling you what he should tell you and what you do need to know. And it sounds like a stand-up guy who's about getting better and who's about business.
1: Yeah and he, and he wants to get better. I mean this has been the toughest stretch of his career, two of the two of his lowest, in fact, the two lowest quarterback ratings of his career have been in this four-game stretch. Last week the lowest of his career in Houston, now the second lowest of his career. He has not thrown for multiple touchdowns in a single game in the four games, which is the longest stretch of his entire career. So clearly it's an adjustment, and you're know you going to get some better weather in Washington, and you want him to be able to finish, I think, on a strong note this season because next year is obviously where it's at, right? You brought him here. You didn't bring him here. To make sure that we made the playoffs in 2022 of course you would have liked to have done that but what you brought him here to do was be your franchise quarterback for years and years and years and the first full season he's going to get a chance to do that is next year it wasn't this year it came in after an 11 game suspension and And it's been there have been some struggles, but I think there have been a lot of positives from his game. And you're a guy who's played in the league. You you know the eye test. I mean, do you see the things in him while we haven't seen the full body of work or the consistency? Have you seen the flashes, Rod, that let you know he can be a special quarterback in structure and out of structure?
2: Oh, I certainly see it, and I'm encouraged by it. I'm very impressed with what I've seen, considering on top of that. The opponent, as well as weather conditions. And a lot of times when people make these assessments and they just look at the numbers, yeah, you're not going to be blown away by any stretch of imagination with the numbers that you see for Deshaun Watson right now. But when you think about the layoff and how long that's been, when you think about the weather conditions, and also we have the privilege and ability to watch the games up close doing what we do for the organization. And what yep. I see from a sideline perspective is, one, a guy leading, And another thing, a guy making plays and also seeing a situation where certain things you cannot do it by yourself. If you put the ball in a guy's hands and put him in a position to succeed as a quarterback, you've done your job. Now it's up to your teammate to do the next step, which is catch the football. And if they're not doing that, then that's a problem. But we know bad quarterback play when we see it. And not to pick on the guy that was here last season. But think about what you saw with that. You saw a situation where below average quarterback play – cost you a chance to win football games. You're not yep. getting below average quarterback play. You're getting good no. quarterback play. But then again, with football, it goes back to what? Complimentary football. The offense has to do its part. The defense has to do its part. And special teams have to do its part. And I've watched situations where we're driving the football, and then ultimately a holding play here, a legal procedure play there, or some other miscue or mishap puts us in a situation where – we're off schedule, and then when we're off schedule, and this has been a factor throughout the course of the season, that we don't respond well as a football team. But as far as what you said with off schedule plays and on schedule plays, I'm very impressed with what I've seen out of Deshaun Watson, and you love the fact that the guy who's gone to the Pro Bowl, who's won all the accolades and been in the conversations as a top five quarterback, is showing guys, nah, man, you can never rest on your laurels. You have to yep. always pay the price and always have the mentality that, hey, how do I get better?
1: You're exactly right about that, Gerard. And, and I'll tell you, people made so much, oh, why'd the Browns throw 31 times? 11 of our pass attempts in that game against the Saints came on the final drive in unbelievably adverse conditions. So there was 20 pass attempts prior to that. It was 11 on the final drive. And on that final drive, he drove you down the field in a two-minute drill situation, made the plays that he needed to, and then put the ball on guys twice in the end zone that were not able to make the catches. And so I actually was encouraged, and Bernie, Bernie really pointed that out yesterday on the show about what he thought He saw from Deshaun Watson there and what he was able to do in terms of that. Some updates as you get ready for the Browns and the Commanders this uh, Sunday so funny. We've had so many Saturday games in a row. It's like I forgot we, we play on Sundays. It's normal again. Jadevian Clowney and Demetric Felton not practicing due to illness today. Jed Wills was working on the side for the second straight day back. Jack Conklin, Veterans Day off for the Commanders. Chase Young, who missed yesterday's practice with an illness, was back. He played 30 snaps in his debut this season last week. You'd expect more there as this is a monstrous game for the Commanders. Monstrous game for the Commanders. All right, we've got the mailbag coming up today, so tweet us your questions at Browns underscore Daily. Use the hashtag AskCBD. Little mailbag Thursday. It's hard to believe that it is Thursday, but it is. And you are listening to Nathan's Gur, Gerard Cherry. It's Cleveland Browns Daily. It's brought to you by BallyBet.
0: Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
1: When a medical mistake causes you injury, call the medical malpractice attorneys at 1-800-ELK-OHIO. Elk and Elk, proud partner of the Cleveland Browns. Nathan Zagur, Gerard Cherry with you. We go around the NFL right now. Drodd, Tennessee Titans sitting everybody. This game actually does not matter for the Tennessee Titans regardless of what they do in this game. Their game in Week 18 against the Jags will determine the outcome of that division and who will go to the playoffs. So what do you think about the fact that they're sitting a lot of their starters on both sides of the ball. Derrick Henry will be out. Not great for my fantasy football championship. Mike Vrabel does not care about people's fantasy football championships. And that Josh Dobbs is going to get the start, who was with the Browns for this preseason and much of this season. He's going to get an opportunity to start a game against the Cowboys on Thursday night.
2: Generally speaking, Nathan, I don't like these scenarios unless you're in one in which you're beat up as a football team. And then you need, and you figure based upon injuries and guys being banged up. Okay, we need the rest. We need to get guys recovered because obviously we're playing for all the marbles, and we're looking at this as a bye week, even though we've already had one. Then I can accept it from that standpoint. So it sounds like that is the approach. So that does make sense. But the idea of taking two weeks off for a very hot football team in the Jacksonville Jaguars doesn't sound great of an idea to me as well, though. When you think about, they'll have more time to play and they'll still be sharper while you'll be working back from basically a two-week layoff
1: right and a game where you got to be sharp very interesting decision I think from Mike Vrabel really to sit down basically everybody I understand like Derrick Henry you want him as fresh Mm -hmm. as he can be for that game but a lot of their defensive studs are not going to play this is going to be a very I I think it's going to be a huge blowout on Thursday night is what it feels like is gonna happen there. The NFL a ratings juggernaut. The average audience on Christmas Day five times larger than the NBA's per sports media watch. Packers, Dolphins, 25.9 million, Broncos, Rams, 22.5, and then the Nightcap Bucks Cardinals 17.15 million. So clearly peaked early in the day. Bucks Celtics most viewed NBA game of the day, six million. And then how about this about your former teammate, Tom Brady? He has spent exactly half of his life in the NFL. 22 years, 8 months, 13 days when he was selected in the 2000 draft. Today is 22 years, 8 months, and 13 days since he was drafted 8,292 days ago. Incredible.
2: That is amazing. And when you think about that, not as a coach, not as a commentator, not as an executive, but as a player. And that quarterback on top of that, that is tremendous. And that, I wonder. I'm pretty sure it's a kicker who holds the record for most longevity in the National Football League. Because that is – but I I I think somebody may have played like 30 years, so I don't think he's anywhere close to that. But – and I want to say there's someone for the Raiders, but the name escapes me. Blanda? Yeah, maybe Blanda. Let's see. Because he was a kicker, he was a quarterback, and he played forever.
1: Look, I'm Googling it right now. 10 players with the longest NFL careers. It's
9: not Morton Anderson or any, like, anyone it
2: could be like
1: Morten. that. I'm counting it down is. right now. Here's your top 10 longest NFL careers. Let me see when this article is written. This year. So this is this will be accurate. Brett Favre, number 10, 302 career games played. John Carney, kicker, 302 games played um, for many, many teams. Jerry Rice, 303 games played, was just the longest for a wide receiver, is ninth. Phil Dawson. 305 games played. Browns, Niners, Cardinals from 99 to 2018 is eighth. Tom Brady, quarterback, longest NFL career for a non-special teams player. 318 games. That was at the beginning of this year, so I had 14 out, so 332 games now for him. Jason Hansen, the kicker for the Detroit Lions, 327 games, all with the Lions for 20 years, 1992 to 2012. George Blanda, so it was a good guess by us. He comes in at number five. 340 games played, a career that spanned four decades, the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, which is just, that's insane. Yeah, that's crazy. Jeff Fiegel's the punter for the Giants, Seahawks, Cardinals, Eagles, and Patriots, 1988 to 2009, 21 years, 352 games. Gary Anderson, kicker for the Steelers, Vikings, Eagles, Titans, and Niners, 82 to 2004, 22 years, 353. York former teammate, Adam Vignateri. He was 365 games, 1996 to 2019 with the Patriots and the Colts, so 23 years there. And then the record is Morton Anderson. Morton Anderson, the kicker, good one by Gibbe there for the Saints, Falcons, Chiefs, Vikings, Giants, 1982 to 2007, so 25-year career. Bland is the only one, though, it appears, is the only one in four decades because it started in 49, ended in
4: 75.
2: <laughs> See, that's what I'm talking about years, not actual games. Because obviously, I used to play 12 games. So if you put the yeah. amount of time that when it went to a 16 game schedule, 36 he blows years drove it out of the way. All right.
1: Or 26 years, I'm sorry. 26 years would be, yeah, I think that's the longest because Venteria was 23, Morton Anderson was 25. It's that's incredible, yeah, incredible stuff there. But Tom Brady, longest non-special teams player in the NFL. I mean, there are like there are people who played in the NFL long enough for like their kid to be born, go to college, graduate from college, get their first job for a few years. That is wild, man. Jerry Rice. It's funny though. The two longest non-special teams players are like the goats, right? Jerry Rice, right. and and Tom Brady. Incredible. I guess
2: they have it coming. Work extremely hard. So when yep. guys think, okay, I just got to go out there and do my job. Well, if you want greatness like that, and if you want to be considered a GOAT, the greatest of all time, you have to do more in your job. You really have to dedicate your body, mind, and soul to the idea of what football represents, and that's giving your all. And those guys, I worked with Jerry Rice. In the offseason, prior to going to the NFL, I was Running that hill. And running that hill, and I knew that hill was a beast. And here's the thing that was so impressive about Jerry Rice, Nathan, was that. The season would be three weeks to a month over with for the NFL. And you got the, us out there training for the Combine, getting ready for all that. Jerry Rice was out on the football field somewhere in Palo Alto. I don't even remember the college we worked out at. And training. A month removed from a season, if not shorter. Running routes on air. Working out. Running. Getting himself in shape. So he constantly stayed in shape. And that taught me that there's no, you don't have a reason to say, I need a break. This guy lasted for twenty plus years. Now, watching him in the Denver Broncos uniform was the most foreign thing I've ever seen in my life. And the Seattle situation wasn't that great either. And the Raiders that looked actually kind of apropos. But with that being said, yeah, man, when you put that type of work in, it, heck, T.O. allegedly might have a chance to come back for the Cowboys
1: at forty-nine. At 49. What is no going?
9: Can ridiculous. someone tell me what's going on? <laughs> Nothing there. is going on.
1: Nothing. He's like they <laughs> weren't offering was... me enough money. No, ridiculous. <laughs> By crazy. the way, is there? Is the fact that at 40 years old, Jerry Rice with the Raiders went to a Pro Bowl and put up 1,211 yards and seven touchdowns at the age of 40? Is that one of the that's is that How one of the craziest things? It, it just feels like that's to be 40 in the NFL at a wide receiver and put up a thousand yards, over a thousand yards, and 12 touchdowns. He went to the Pro Bowl, guys. He had 92 catches, 1,211 yards, and seven touchdowns at the age. Of 40. How many games? 16. 16 games. Yeah. So I'm he didn't miss falling. a game either. No. Nah. He didn't really miss games.
2: Nah, dedicated in 19, dedicated he, to the process, man. You'll never hear he about Jerry Rice. And, I, and even if Jerry Rice played in this day and age where it's not frowned upon to um, miss games due to whatever element you may have, I still wouldn't see him missing a game because he was that dedicated.
1: So Jerry Rice goes in 1985, 16 games, 1986, 16 games, 1987, 12, but I believe that's a strike. Is that, is that a strike? 87? Yeah. Yeah. 12, so he didn't miss a game there either. By the way, he had 22 touchdowns in 12 games that year. No big deal. Ooh. 16 games in 88, <laughs> 16 games in 89, 16 games in 90, 16 games in 91, 16 and 92, 16 and 93, 16 and 94, 16 and 95, 16 and 96, got hurt in 97, only played two games. Then 16-98, 16-99, 16-2000, 16-2001, 16-2002, 16-2003. Yeah, Well, I can say I only gave up a five-yard out to him when I covered him when I was playing nickel and dime. That's, good. That's a nice thing to be able to say. <laughs> he, led the league, he led the league in receiving six different times. Led the league in receiving touchdowns six different times. Led the league in yards per game six different times. He was... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Ten-time first-team All-Pro out of eleven years, made the Pro Bowl all eleven of those years, and then ultimately thirteen Pro Bowls. 11 1st first-time All Pros. Eleven flat-out beasts. You guys quickly want to hear crazy. the story
2: about the one of my memorable plays on Jerry Rice? Yes, absolutely. Of course. Why would we? Not? All right, so we're playing in New Orleans. Ah, what does he do? Steve Young is the quarterback for them, and I'm playing inside leverage. It's one is cover one. And I mean, I'm tight on him. Tight, tight on him. He does a quick out. I literally pick him up. And this is in the day and age where you could body slam a dude and not go to jail for it. Yeah. Pick him up barely out of sideline and body slam him backwards, like Suflex, like I'm in the WWF. Yeah. E, whatever. NWA, old school. <laughs> Heck, AWA if you really want to go old school. I like and that. the Ganyas. Bam. He gets up, doesn't say a word. <laughs> and I was like, because I was, I mean, you're trying to hurt someone, but you're trying to leave a message. And then the next play, I must have made him mad because they flipped the reverse to him. He might have ran like 30 yards.
1: <laughs> Just said, okay, all right. That's what you want to do? That's how you want to do it, Mr. Cherry? Oh, Jerry, I mean, Jerry gosh, Rice was, it was a, unreal.
2: It was, a, it, was a, it was a blessing to train with him. And then I actually had the opportunity to say I played against the best and held my own as well. Because there was other plays, too, where the coverage was good to where they were like, okay, we're not even going to throw it that way. And I always tell people that Jerry was just repeatable success, repeatable success, and he worked so hard at it. He was truly a student of the game.
1: Yes, he was. And a darn good student, by the way, of the game, Jerry Rice. I mean – he had his second season in the league, 1570 and 15 touchdowns. Third season, 1,078 and 22. Then 1,306 and 9. 1483 and 17. 1502 and 13. This is when people didn't do that. Like, right. people didn't put up those kind of numbers. These are all back slant
2: routes. routes. That's the other part you should say. Crazy. Yeah, <laughs> like the 90s Slants game is gone. what they call it. Yep, slant yep.
1: routes. Slants and gone. The great Jerry Rice. All right. When we come back, we've got a treat for you a little bit of a. Uh, uh, a trip down memory lane to 20th anniversary, one of the best moments in Browns history, uh, back in 1999. We'll hear, hear that. We've got the Browns mailbag coming up as well, so get us your questions uh, and use the hashtag #AskCBD. So all that's coming your way. Uh, bottom of this hour, hour number two. You're going to hear from Alex Van Pelt. We'll take a look at the Browns' offense versus a very good commander's defense. Uh, And we'll also hear from Joe Woods as we look at the Browns' defense against a commander's offense that's going to throw the ball a lot more than you might expect now that Carson Wentz is back as the trigger man for that team. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to
0: you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
1: There's a new way to cheer on your Cleveland Browns with the help of your favorite four-legged companion, Barking Backers. Presented by Milkbone, is the Browns' newest club for pet parents worldwide. Sign up today at BarkingBackers.com. Barking Backers, the fan club for dogs. Today, the 20th anniversary of one of the best moments this franchise has had since coming back in 1999. This happened 2002, what, December 29th, 2002, me, Is that the right day? Yeah. Yes,
9: sir. I remember I was in an airport in Chicago trying to fly my way back to Springfield, Illinois, and it was one of those nine things had to happen for the Browns to get into the playoffs, and and then you still had to win the game. And literally it all happened. And I lost my you-know-what in the middle of Midway Airport at a bar.
1: Well, how could you not listen to this? Take a listen to Jim Donovan and Doug Deacon on the Browns Radio Network.
6: On second down, they give it to Green. Green, stutter step, he's through. First down, 40, 45, 50, 45, 40. Run, William, run. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. (laughs) We've been waiting for it. To
5: break the big one, but he saved it for the right time.
6: 64 yards! And the rookie from Boston College, he was an inch away from busting
5: one all day, dog, and he just did it.
1: Awesome. Run, William, run. I, I couldn't.
9: I, I was literally, I had like a two and a half hour layover. The airport's packed because everybody's flying home from the holidays. And, you know, I met the. They used to have like the Fox Sports bars.
1: Yep. Uh huh.
9: There's eight games on, but they've got the Browns one on. And it's the only one – the Bears ones people were interested in because the Bears were pretty good that year. Um, and they <laughs> hmm. ended up going to the playoffs that year, I, I believe. And I, I decked head, head to toe in Browns gear just screaming. And Loving we it. went to the playoffs and screwed the pooch
1: against the Squealers. Oh, well, sick. we
9: went. But it, it, that's one of the biggest moments since the team came back in 99 was that run.
1: Oh yeah, without Certainly. without any question at all.
9: Now it's funny to me. You said it. It doesn't even sound like Donovan.
1: Not, I mean it. It does, but not it, his voice is is obviously very different today.
2: Yes, sounds more mature We're, today.
1: That's right, like a fine wine. <laughs> Like a fine wine, it has aged very, very well. All right, Gibbe, a little mailbag presented by Vivid Seats, an official fan experience partner of the Cleveland Browns. We said, tweet your questions at Browns underscore daily. Use the hashtag AskCBD. What have the people done for us here, Gibbe? Uh,
9: And I will get to those here in just a second. Can I go back to the fact that somehow 22.5 million people Watch that pig slop on Christmas Day between the Broncos and the How Rams? did you not turn it I mean, off? It I turned it off
1: too. when it was trying to, they were trying to ruin my whole fantasy season. They ruined poor Justin Costanzo's fantasy season. Yeah, I didn't want to wow, watch that it. that is was crazy you think about that.
9: I mean, that game was awful. There was, awful. There, at no point was it even good.
1: No, awful.
9: And yet, I mean, it drew four times the number of an NBA game. Which is now, really wild.
2: No, I, I like to know, like, for the NBA – Doing a championship, do the numbers have to be in the twenties? In right?
1: No, no, nothing gets Seriously? up there except for football. Yeah.
2: Gosh, so you mean to tell me a regular season game with a bad football team will outdo a NBA championship game? Oh yeah. That's nuts.
1: Hold on, I'll tell you. I'll Twenty. It,
9: it, it's crazy, and I know we had the discussion on the pregame show. Does it make sense? Does it? You know? Do you really want like football on Black Friday? And yeah. <laughs> two or three games on Christmas, and I the mean, NFL says, "Look at these numbers." Yeah, we do. Remember, I Warriors. Mean,
1: remember COVID. Uh huh. Yep, Warriors, Celtics averaged twelve point four million. That was up twenty two percent from the year before. So the year before, which was I want to say Bucks Suns. Yeah, it was. Bucks Suns was under was just under ten million.
2: Then you had Lakers and Heat in the bubble.
1: So yeah, I mean, but that's what I'm saying, and the NFL just crushes. What yeah, was it? Wasn't it the Thanksgiving Dallas game? Was like, or there was a Dallas game recently that was the highest was rated it Sunday night. It was maybe a Sunday at four o'clock.
9: Who did they play? That's... They beat the pants off the Vikings. Yeah, but that uh... was too
1: much of a blowout. For, it was to be the highest. Hold on.
9: I I don't know. I I just. When I well, saw those numbers,
1: Packers, and- did they play the Packers recently? Yes. No, no that's not. But a, that wasn't. Oh yeah, Packers. That's what it was. Week ten, Packers. Was it? Yep. It, which was the week ten Packers, thirty-one twenty-eight game. That like yeah. See, going killed back to yeah, for COVID, the for for those of
9: us that are like, uh, I mean, do we really need to have all these holiday games? Yes. Yeah. Yes, you go do. back to COVID.
2: I am not gonna lie. I enjoyed the rare Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday games. I understand special circumstances created it, but it was enjoyable.
1: 31 million watched that game.
2: <laughs> That's a regular season. Wow.
1: That's just a regular season game. Yep. But, Wild. Uh, you know what? It goes back to the difference.
9: 17 games versus yeah, every, game games. Every, like, every, every game matters. Like, every week wins.
1: matters. Right, but his point is also it's outdoing, and it does. It outdoes the championship games which is wild and baseball is probably half of that number for uh, basketball
2: yeah oh yeah uh.
9: yeah That it's it's pretty crazy all right little mailbag we'll sprinkle these in throughout the show you can tweet at the show at browns underscore daily using the hashtag ask cbd uh love a dog today good good twitter handle Yeah. Are there any late season pickups or maybe players that didn't have the biggest role that have worked their way into next year's plans? Any, I'll tweak it a little bit. Anybody that you want to see a little bit more of here, maybe in these last two games?
1: Yeah, I would say that you know on the defensive side of the ball, you know your draft picks, so we won't count them. But people that have come to the team, you know, I think Chase Winovich when he's been healthy, which has not been often, but has made a little bit of an impact since he's come back. Deion Jones, Reggie Ragland, these are guys that, you know, could they stay in the system next year? Um, that's really it. I'd like to see more of DeAnthony Bell. Does he have a future actually on this roster other than special teams? You know, it, it feels like Ronnie's time may be coming to an end here, so he's somebody that I wouldn't mind seeing more of. And then offensively, the guy that I want to see more of is Jerome Ford because it's likely that Kareem Hunt will be playing for a different team next year. Uh, Dearness Johnson could be as well. Is Jerome Ford ready to be your number two running back? And he showed a lot of flashes there in the preseason. Jerron, anybody you want to see?
2: Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. I want to see more Reggie. Reggie. And the reason why I want to see more Reggie Ragland is simply put the body size and what he represents. I think moving forward, you're going to have to have that type of a physical presence in the middle of the defense in order for teams to say, you know what? We're not going to necessarily try to pound the ball down you guys' throat every chance we get. So I want to see guys like him. I want to see... Jones as well, and what do you have with that? Obviously, you have JOK coming back. You have Phillips coming back as well, but I do think you need more girth and experience in that spot in particular just to sure things up because you did have a tremendous youth movement, and obviously it had its difficulties throughout the course of the season. And offensively speaking, I just want to see Deshaun Watson at this point pass, 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 get reacclimated to playing football at a higher level. Agreed. Uh,
9: Let's see. At AK underscore man 42, one of our favorite uh, follows uh, or one of the guys who follows us, who we like. Uh, I hit the gym every day, five, two seventy five. no big deal. Jeez. I think I'm the only guy in the gym without a tattoo, let alone several. You fellas are about the same age as me. Got me wondering if you have much, if any.
1: Tattoos? Yes. I do not. I do
9: not. I Thread? do not. Nope. See? uh let's see uh howard s where are you guys going to go to relax after the season you deserve a good vacation thanks for all the positivity
1: yeah i'm gonna be either in florida we will be definitely or arizona some time. but yes somewhere somewhere warmer than here
2: what do you got gerard
1: uh far as my world
2: travels uh, let me see i'll start off in arizona then i'll work my way probably to thailand and then from Thailand, I'll work my way back to the states, and then at some point I need to go to Central or South America, and that'll probably be the extent of me going international.
9: Okay, I was going to Florida, and uh, you clearly blew that one out of the water. Yeah, I got <laughs> Mexico
1: coming up in in April, but other than that, all domestic.
9: Okay, so you mentioned Thailand. Is that the orphanage that you helped? Yes.
0: Out? Yeah, that's exactly. awesome, man. Yep. yep For so those who in... don't
9: know, Gerard. If I'm speaking out of turn, let me know. But you took one of your Super Bowl rings and auctioned it off with the money going to that orphanage. Am I correct on that? Correct.
2: Yep. Awesome. Correct. So I haven't been in about four years now, I believe. So it's about time to go. And amazing experience because when I went there the first time, guys, it was just incredible. I literally – I mean, it will bring you to tears. Went there, met two young ladies – who were initially the people who were staying there, both of them are now graduating from college, have jobs wow. as professionals, and to see them as grown women working and know that they were saved from drug trafficking and sex slaves and things of that nature and what they are now and what they've had an opportunity to do because of that donation, is just a tremendous experience, to say the least.
1: That's awesome, man. That's really, that is, that's awesome. And it's, I'm sure, as you said, very rewarding, and you're doing a lot of good stuff. That's awesome. Bravo. What, one more question here. Okay. From Meckling. Bobby.
9: Bobby. He'll fire off about 40 more here before the end of the show, Gerard. He gives us uh, a whole book of questions every week. Bobby. What's the worst drink someone can order at a bar?
1: Cigar? The worst drink that somebody could order at a bar?
2: Yes.
9: Gerard, anything? I
1: the don't know if there's no, so necessarily someone... a worst drink. I mean.
2: I'm not a fan of. Of, of, I'm not a fan of club soda and drinks because there's enough, there's no sweetness in it. So
1: anything with club I soda, club I would be like, nah, no like, thanks. What's the what's the context? Like if we're just at a that's, normal that's bar, literally what it was. If we're at a normal bar and somebody's ordering like a rum runner or like a mai tai or some type of a <laughs> rum punch drink, I would probably be like, huh, a white Russian because I feel like it's no longer Big Lebowski's main era. <laughs> But just seeing anything with like milk, a milk or a creamy yep. drink is gross to me.
9: I think any milk product, probably in an establishment. Yeah. I'm not sure what the quality of that milk is. Yeah. I don't think you should probably be putting. You it want any of that? On yeah. his
2: last date.
1: Yeah. Pro or oh, for it's sure. Blown way past it. Yeah, that's probably that'd be probably my answers. Something like, but but if you're in you know in the tropics and you want to oh, get a oh, Mai wow, Tai or something, stuff. then yeah, yeah, do whatever you want. Yeah. Give me in the rainbow. Game. Right. right. Give me every
9: drink with an umbrella. Down the hatch. Let's go. All right. We'll get back to a few more questions as we go throughout the show.
1: Beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Hour number two. We're going to get into the matchups of this game, the Browns and the Commanders. We're going to kick it off with Browns offense coordinator Alex Van Pelt. That's coming up. Hour number two. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet coming soon, very soon, to Ohio. Cleveland Browns
0: Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN
1: Cleveland. OBM, the official printer partner of the Cleveland Browns. While you depend on your Browns to win, you can always depend on OBM because we can tackle any size office. Call 216-485-2000 or ohiobusinessmachines.com today. Back Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by Ballybet, coming soon to Ohio. We head to the podium now to hear from Browns offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt.
4: So, what did you see uh, in in Deshaun in this past game in the horrendous conditions? Yeah, I
7: think the biggest takeaway was the fact that he still had the ability to throw it accurately um, when it mattered the most. You know, in the bad conditions, you know, made some really key throws on that last drive. You know, unfortunately, we had a chance to get it in the end zone to to tie it up, but didn't. But um, that's encouraging. Um, Probably the worst weather I've been around. I've been in colder games, but not with the wind blowing as hard as it was, so they're really tough conditions. You know, going both ways, really. Um, you know, we took some shots down the field that I would like to have seen those balls had it not been really windy. You know, I think we had some opportunities for some big plays had not, you know, you know some of those down the field throws going away from the dog pound kind of carried a little bit. Or
4: for two if you had, if Dave or DPJ had caught? I think that's where
7: we, we were heading. I know we had talked about it uh, prior to that drive, be ready for a two-point play here to, to end it.
4: You know, it's supposed to be pretty nice
6: conditions in Landover on Sunday. Uh, this is going to be Sean's fifth game back. Is, is it time to for this offense to maybe get to another level, like one touchdown a game, you know, obviously it's going to be you're gonna have a hard time beating most teams. Do yeah. you want to see this offense take another step finally? I, you know, I do think
7: so. I think we're ready for that. You know, um, we just need to see continued improvement. You know, I think if we can, Put the ball in the end zone. We'd all be a lot happier. Um, it's a really good defense we're playing, uh, especially up front. You know, uh, so our challenges are there. But yeah, we we should definitely see uh, more productivity out of us, especially as we get down in the red zone. We haven't scored when we've gotten down there like we should.
5: Like when it comes to throwing it or running it if he's outside the pocket, right? The plays where he's kind of, you know, extending the play and it looks like there's a chance to run, mm-hmm. but it feels like he's thrown it maybe more than he's run it. Like, how do you guys deal with that?
7: Yeah, I mean, you always you always want to extend the play as long as you can and make the defender choose one or the other. Uh, probably talking about the play to Donovan where he had a chance to, to run it. Um, you, know, for, you know, he's the first thing he said, I should have played that longer. I played, you know, and impressed it more. Um, those are things we talk about. That wasn't a designed QB run. It was a you know a keeper. Um, you know where Donovan is the first read. But no situations again. It's just playing experience and doing it more and more and more and having a feel for. Hey, we got to keep pressing. Make that defender choose one or the other, and then do the opposite. What, even
5: with the Design QB runs. Like is there a sweet spot where we don't? You know, as a team, you don't want to run in more than whatever X number of plays um, because it feels like he's got that ability where you could but that's a big-time
7: threat. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, you could see a lot more QB run design, uh, but, again, you're taking it out of Nick Chubb's hands, Kareem Hunt's hands. I don't think that's a necessity. Other teams may rely more on the QB run when they don't have strong runners as we do, so I think it's finding that mix of what gives us the best of both worlds. Um, you know, you don't want to take touches away from Nick and Kareem. but At the same time, you don't want to have the defense, um, you know, not – Playing the whole field, so they have to be responsible for the quarterback as well, um, and it's our job of finding that happy medium and somewhere in between.
6: Alex, two weeks left, I guess. What are some of the most important steps for for Deshaun to take during this time? I just c-
7: continue to own the system and understand um, operation in and out of the huddle, play calling, uh, the footwork improvements each week. Um, you know, those those are the biggest steps. Just to continue to improve. In those areas, you know the accuracy is there. You starting to see that come back. Um, his ability to make plays on the move, is, you know, is, is back. So really, it's just a matter of just really fine tuning uh, footwork, operation, all the things that come with quarterback play. You
5: mentioned that Commanders' um, D line a little bit. What makes it so good?
7: Uh, they're four first rounders up front. I think the skill, the talent, um, they're all good players. They're big bodies. They're powerful, physical, uh, with twitch. So, it's a good combination. They've obviously built that team through that defensive line on that side of the ball. And, um, you know, they're, they're playing at an extremely high level. What did you
5: see out Young in mean, his first game back? Uh, you know,
7: fine in his way. But, um, you know, having played against him before, obviously he's a, he's a dangerous player and will probably get more playing time and improve his play style as he goes. But, uh, um, yeah, really good challenge for us up front. Those guys are, um, you know, as good as a, the two inside players are as good as there are in the league, defensive tackle. Um, and the edge players are exceptional as well. So, big challenge up front for our line.
6: With Jack signing his extension, you've got him locked up. You've got Wyatt, Joel, you know, Jed, of course, still on that rookie deal. How important is it to have that stability on the line?
7: It's huge. Uh, it is. It's just to have the same guys working together and, you know, the same coaches and the calls. Um, they just get better each year. Um, so, to have Jack locked in, guy who just really uh, deserves every bit of that. Um, the work he put in after the injury last year to come back and, and – uh, you know, to be a really good at right tackle for us is—it's—it's uh, it's a tribute to him, and really happy that we got him locked up for a while.
6: And in, in the middle with Ethan, you know, he wasn't slated to start, but he's right. been really good for you guys. What? What, have what you a seen great
7: from him? Uh, job he's done, really um, stepping in when Nick got hurt right away, and never really missed a beat with him. Is a uh, you know, a great job uh, of the guys upstairs getting him into the building.
6: For him to be resigned.
7: I would think we would. I mean, I wouldn't make those decisions, but I don't think there's anything in his play this year that we would say we wouldn't want to see him again next year.
5: This is Washington's one in the league in time of possession, and you guys are number two. Mm-hmm. Um, does that something you guys think about, like, in into games? Do we really want to, um, you know, possess the ball for as long as possible?
7: Yeah, it, it kind of happens uh, organically when you talk about staying positive on first and second down, giving yourself manageable third downs, and then converting on third down um that kind of falls into extended drives um in time of possession you know um, we don't say hey we need to win time of possession this week we say we need to you know be manageable on third down and convert on third down and that'll give you the time of possession so uh, i guess we go around about way of getting to that but yes we do emphasize those other areas that get you to a winning time of possession
5: knowing that they tend to possess it does that make each one of your possessions this week more valuable i guess
7: absolutely you know every uh every drive for us is a valuable drive we want to into the end zone and again that's being good on first and second converting on third and then punching it in once we get down inside the red zone
1: all right that's brown's offensive coordinator alex van pelt it's the browns offense the commander's defense it's been a good defense they can get after the quarterback they got three guys with seven or more sacks one of only two teams in the league there they have 12 games with 24 or fewer points allowed, second in the NFL. They give up just 17 first downs a game, second in the NFL. This is a, a good team, and it starts up front with those guys. I mentioned the four first-rounders, Chase Young back, along with Jerron Payne, Jonathan Allen, Montez, Sweat. Gerard, what do the Browns need to do on offense to get the job done against this very, very good defense of the Washington Commanders?
2: Well, it's really simple. You have to attack what is their strength. And in the process of doing that, dominate them. And you do that by running the football. Now, I'm of the presence of mind that we're going to pass when opportunity presents itself. But you really have to send a physical message to this football team and tell them the following through your actions and how you play that. It's going to be physical. We're going to attack you, and we're not going to sit back and be attacked because they have obviously put a lot of draft capital and resources into that defensive line And they're figuring that's the strength of their defense, and it should always be the strength of your defense in the trenches. So certainly if you can go to them, beat them up, push them around, and send them a message, and the best way to do that is through running the football ultimately. And then you use the pass as a compliment to making plays and just playing it from that standpoint. But ultimately I think with this defense, you have to let them know that you won't be bullied around and you're going to be the bully as opposed to being bullied.
1: He got to be the bully, and that'll be tough. There are guys on the interior, Allen and Payne, 16 tackles for loss each. That is first among all interior defensive linemen, third overall in the league. The Browns got to get Nick Chubb going. It's been a four straight games under 100 yards and no touchdown for Nick Chubb. That's the longest such streak of his career. What's the matchup you're going to be watching the most here in this game?
2: <laughs> really, I'm gonna from an offense versus our defense. I really want to see how posted because I'm of the opinion that the guy is all star caliber. And that he's a Pro Bowler, and I hope we can bring him back. But I really want to see what he does against against Allen and against Payne, because you can make the argument that those two guys right now are, are the heart and soul of that defense. And from a production standpoint, they're putting up greater numbers. I understand that Chase Young has been out due to injury for majority of the season, so you put that, take that for what it's worth. But if you can have a situation where Posick, and then you have Antonio and Teller, which I believe is our strength on the offensive line. If they're dominating, I'm watching that because I think that's going to play a huge dividends to the outcome of this football game.
1: Yeah, the interior of our offensive line against uh, the interior of their defensive line. And then I think on the back end, can we – how can our receivers, how do they do against a secondary that's been okay, it hasn't been great, Kendall Fuller, uh, Benjamin St. Juiced, uh, who's had a nice season, a third-year player, uh, was a third-round pick last year for them out of Minnesota, second-year player. Uh, how can we do that? And can I, I do think, though, we can take advantage of their linebackers and coverage, David Mayo, Jamin Davis. We'll see if the Browns are able to do that. But I think it's going to be about do you have – you want to throw the ball – absolutely do you have time jed wills against chase young you know mm-hmm. and montez sweat that's that's gonna be a big matchup as well um what are the biggest challenges for an offense when you face a defense like the commanders that can get home with four they don't blitz much and then they play a variety of coverages behind it but a lot of quarters they play a lot of quarters and, and a lot of cover three.
2: Oh, well, that's the hard part right there because when you can rely on the four-man pass rush that frees you to drop so many guys in coverage and if, you're going against a, if you have an inexperienced guy there, then that creates a problem because they just see so many bodies out there fogging up his passing lanes. But when you have a guy like Deshaun Watson, this is the beauty of having him there, all that gets thrown off schedule because of the fact that he can do what? Extend plays and move around and make things happen. So what you want to see, one, is give Deshaun Watson enough ability to escape the pocket if necessary. And then he is stationary in pocket and he's not called for him to run around and it's a three-step, five-step drop situation, then you just simply hold up the end of the bargain. And you know what, Nathan, you are right. I do want to see what Jed Wills does against Chase as well because I figure they'd match him up against him, and that's going to be a pivotal matchup because obviously if we do pass the ball and we are in second and third long situations, obviously we need to hold up on the outside with Conklin and as well as Wills. But ultimately, yep. to beat a team like that, you have to just dominate in the- in the trenches and you can't let that pass rush dictate things because that just opens what you want to see happen is that they have to say you know what we're not getting home with the four man rush and then we have to bring a blitz and then you know you've got them so you actually you never say invite blitzes but in this case you do
1: in this case, you do. They also play 91% in sub-package, 73% nickel, 18% dime, uh, and maybe that's something the Browns can exploit on the ground here against this team. They've done a pretty good job, though, all year against the run. They're just a good, they've been a good defense, quite frankly, for the Browns. Who's your X factor on offense in this one?
2: Uh, really, for us on offense, it comes down to Deshaun Watson. He Can, can he make more steps? Can he continue to elevate? Because last week, I like what I saw considered the weather situation. And if you think about it, if Chief catches that football or if Diamond catches that football, we're probably telling a different story today about that game and its outcome. And we don't have to explain, well, you've only had one touchdown in the past four games. And obviously, it has not been as bad as that sounds in my opinion. But maybe I'm looking at things from a brown, rose-colored glasses. But but in my mind, though, I see a quarterback making leaps and bounds of steps compared to what we saw the first week when he was on the football field. It's not even close.
1: Oh yeah, couldn't agree with that any more. Uh, and then finally, so your X-Factor, Deshaun Watson, mine. I'm going to go David Njoku. I think we have a good matchup against their safeties and a good matchup against their linebackers in the past game. Uh, their linebackers both given up over 100 rating in coverage. One of their safeties, Derek Forrest, fifth-round pick last year. it actually has four interceptions, leads the team. He's played very, very well. But Cameron Curl, seventh-rounder in 2020, he's been really, really poor in coverage. 81% completions, 121 rating. I think the Browns absolutely have an opportunity. Uh, if curl is back and if not to get after jeremy reeves who's really just a special teams guy but had his first start of the season he's somebody i think the browns could go after in coverage and i think david njoku could play a big big role there in that respect for the cleveland browns all right when we come back here Talk a little bit of championship fantasy football. It's a tough week this week. You don't even know what some of these teams are doing. You don't know who's healthy. It's uh, it's kind of a brutal championship. We know that Derrick Henry not playing tonight. Sounds like Tony Pollard also not playing tonight. So two of the top ten running backs in fantasy football this season won't play tonight. Uh, I do think you want to get all your Cowboys in there and certainly that Dallas defense. But we'll talk about that. We'll take some more of your questions from the Browns mailbag as well. 230 Joe Woods. And the defensive matchup against the Commander's offense that now has Carson Wentz at quarterback. you listen to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet.
0: Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio
1: on 850 ESPN Cleveland. Buying or selling a home with Howard Hanna Real Estate Services is always a winning strategy. If you plan to make a move this season, we've got you covered. Because at Howard Hanna, every day is game day. Visit HowardHanna.com slash Browns today. All right, championship week, fantasy football, and and it's tough. This is a tough, 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 tough week. Some quarterbacks uh, that you could roll with this week. I mean, hopefully you've got your studs. You do not want to get into any of, you know, anybody kind of below that level this week in terms of the guys that you've been counting on really all year. So, you know, Allen, Mahomes, Fields, Burrow, Prescott, Justin Herbert, Kirk Cousins, Trevor Lawrence, those are your guys. Now, beyond that top eight, I think Goff, Rogers, Mike White are all good starts for you. Brock Purdy, if you're desperate, and then if Minshew starts, obviously if Jalen Hurts starts, you start him, but if not, Minshew, somebody that I wouldn't mind giving a look to as well. At the running back position, this is is an absolute – tough one i think tyler algier for atlanta he's proven to be very solid uh, for you this season another guy that i i think you could probably pick up and play uh this week if you need to just from a volume standpoint haskins he's going to start for tennessee i don't know what they're going to do on offense but if you need somebody that can play a little bit you have a chance um wide receivers uh, I love everybody on the Packers in that game against Minnesota. Christian Watson has not practiced in back-to-back days. Uh, so Alan Lazard, Romeo Dobbs, or Dubs, I think, is somebody that you can get into your lineups this week as well. Uh, tight ends, Dalton Schultz tonight. Gerald Everett, Tyler Higby has been playing pretty well the last couple of weeks as well. Cole Komet, um, that's, what, that's really what you're looking at. From a Brown standpoint, it's the same people you know. It's obviously Nick Chubb, it's Amari Cooper, and it's David Njoku. Those are the three guys you want this week. I think Donovan Peoples Jones bounces back as well, but those are the those are the big three you want from a Browns standpoint. I think the Browns D can have a chance to have a good game against Carson Wentz as well. So that's kind of that's kind of where we're at right there. That's where that's where we're at in terms of fantasy. Strange week. I mean, Tennessee shutting it down. All of a sudden, Ezekiel Elliott, I think, has an opportunity to be a big-time uh, stud this week. He might be, like, the number one running back. And, of course, the Mark Monaco's got him, and I'm going against him. No fun there. Turn your mic on.
9: Of course you
1: are. There you go. There you go. Yeah.
9: Um, all right. Real quick question, then, for Gerard. Like These teams that are shutting it down that still have a lot to play for, good idea, bad idea? How's this playing in the locker room? Like... The Titans are basically saying we're going to next week to to winner in loser out game against Jacksonville. Right. Like how are you just taking the week off in week 17?
2: It's definitely a regroup situation for the Titans and down the stretch they've been playing bad football and we we know that and they're not winning games and to make this move it's almost like I don't agree with it cuz I always think you should be playing Because it almost creates this idea that you're quitting for at least this week and that that game doesn't matter. So if that game doesn't matter this week, and though we know the game the following week does matter, why should I rise to the occasion for this week when I didn't do it for the previous week? Because aren't we supposed to take every game as if it means something? So you run the risk of that from your locker room culture and message standpoint. But at the same time, if you are beat up, and if you are trying to do this one more for the Gipper approach of playing this final game and it's going to count for everything, I get it, but at the same time, too, I also feel that this team, once again in the playoffs, what the heck are they going to do if they need a week rest? So these guys' mentality might be, heck, we can't even sustain the last two weeks of the season. What the heck are we going to do against the following week against better competition? So all those things go through your mind as you're going through this process. But I'm definitely not a proponent of it unless I got some guys that just need the doctors tell me, like, hey, he needs one more week and he'll be straight. I can buy into that, but a whole entire team basically sitting down, in which this is treated as a preseason game and a, pretty much a showcase for Dobbs, who I'm interested to see how he plays.
1: So my, yeah, it's it's strange. I mean, I understand what they're trying to do, trying to get healthy, trying to get everybody ready. But yeah, it's going to be it's going to be tough. And I, it just this game right now for the NFL is not this is not a compelling football game at all.
2: Not at all. No. And, I, no. and I, I you don't... figure that the Cowboys win, they're good. They don't have to even play next week, right?
9: They yep. can't do anything. They're, they can't go any higher, correct?
1: I think they're where they they're are. They're
9: locked into that number five right. seed no matter what.
2: So this game for the Commanders is even of more importance because they're figuring they're going to beat us. They're going to try to. And then they're going to get a Dallas team that's disinterested in winning. And then they're in.
9: All right, Gerard, let me ask you this because I asked earlier this week. Nathaniel disagreed with me. Uh, should they reseed teams based on records? At the end of the going into the postseason, like if Tampa Bay wins or Jacksonville wins and they have a losing record, should they be reseeded?
2: I'm going to say no. The reason why I'm going to say no, yeah. Jay, is simply because life ain't fair. And no, it's not fair that you have a crappy record and you won your division, but you want to put onus on winning the division because at them, some point then the whole idea of winning the division won't matter. It'll be simply who has the best records. And actually, I don't have a problem with that. But <laughs> obviously, from a regional standpoint,
1: that's what this division thing matters. Yeah, the divisions matter. That's what it is. Fine. It, winning your division matters. It's something that it is of consequence. I got a couple more mailbag questions. At
9: Browns underscore daily using the hashtag AskCBD. Uh, what do you think the most urgent need on the defensive and offensive sides of the ball we need to tackle this offseason? I know we still have games left, but we can look ahead to the offseason. Biggest easy. need.
1: Easy. Yes. No o- offensively, it's a speedy receiver to open up this offense. A, a mm-hmm. guy that can stretch the field, take the top off of a defense, create space underneath for everybody else to operate. And then defensively, we need some beef in the middle. We need some defensive tackles that can hold up against the run.
2: Yep. You're right. it's really that. It's really that simple. It's really that it simple. Is. I mean, that's that's got to be one. And the I would probably add lie. this: you, one of the defensive ends is going to have to emerge and step up as well. That's something you have to consider too. Yeah. Yeah,
9: he, I think definitely you're going to need some more depth on the defensive uh, edge.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. Alex Wright's got to take a big step forward next year. Yeah,
9: I, I mean, I don't know if Clowney's coming back. Is Winovich a one-year deal?
1: He's on the last year of his rookie deal. Yeah, so
9: I mean, you could lose both of those guys, and then you've got to you've got to figure out some things and figure out some things quickly. Uh, Jeremiah Fields tweets at the show. If you could have a mini fast food restaurant in your house, which one would you pick? Gerard. <laughs> Gerard, you're like the food connoisseur.
2: Yes, I am. If I could have a – you know what I'd pick? I wish I could remember that name since I can't. though. Remember that spot I brought you, that food back from Jacksonville, with the gravy and biscuits? Oh, the my biscuits God. biscuits and gravy? How how great was that? I know. I, forgive me. I must not <laughs> be from the South. I said gravy and – what did I say? Biscuits and gravy or gravy and biscuits? Yeah. I said it backwards. But the whole point is that was tremendous. But if I could do something – this spot I gotta take you to, and I wish I could have done it when we were in Miami. I didn't have time to go pick up the food for us. It's called Campanero It is the best pollo campero, thank you. Pollo campero, I don't even know the name. Some of the best Peruvian fried chicken you've ever had in your life. It's incredible. Wow, I've, really? I've gone to Miami with a sealer, but. A hundred dollars worth of it, froze it and brought it back on the plane. That's how good it is. Wow! What? That's yes.
1: wild. I,
9: um, there is a place in North in North Beach, and they have. A, and I we saw it the last time we were in Miami, not this year, but the last time. They do a skillet fried chicken, maybe Yardbird. Uh, that sounds good. It was on like Guy Fieri's Diners Drive. we like, we found it, and we had to take like a forty-five minute Uber ride. It was worth the. It was worth every penny, every minute in the car. This skillet fried chicken was off the charts.
1: I feel like you guys are going very like small scale. Like I, I was interpreting that as like a big, like a big. It was food thinking company. a
9: fast food chain. Yeah, I don't know what I want.
1: I mean, for me, it would have to be of, like, the big ones now, like, if Chipotle or BB Bop doesn't count. Hey, That'd do that. be fire. Yeah. I'd have a, a BB Bop. I could eat BB Bop. There's a lot of things I could do with Bebe Bop. Taco Bell would be a very close second, though. So I you love going Taco to healthier Bell. route, Same. though. That makes sense. Yeah. I like a little BB Bop.
9: I like that, but you can you can give me a Swenson's and a Galley Boy a little sweet potato day noodle? of the week, oh, and man. I'm fine with that,
1: too. Oh, baby. All right. California All right. cooler. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right. When we come back, we're going to hear from Browns defensive coordinator Joe Woods, and we'll take a look at the Browns defense against the commander's offense. you listen to Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Cleveland
0: Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
1: Rumkey Waste and Recycling is a family-owned and operated company. Whether you join us as a customer or as an employee, you'll become a part of that family. Visit www.rumkey.com to learn more. Back to the podium we go, a little matchup time. Now let's hear from Browns defensive coordinator Joe Woods. Joe, you
3: guys have
6: one of, if not the worst, run defenses in the NFL by a bunch of different metrics. Has that been more scheme or more personnel?
8: You know, I just think, you know, teams start running the ball on us and we get a high, high number of runs per game. And we haven't handled it well because we give up explosive runs, you know, and that was the main focus for us throughout, throughout the season was how can we eliminate the explosives? And we just didn't do a good job. Um, but when you give up big runs, you give up big yards. And I think that's what happened to, happened to us throughout the season. Do you
6: feel like the pass defense, specifically the secondary has gotten better, but the run defense has just continued to kind of struggle week to week?
8: Yeah, I think we've been consistent, you know, in the secondary um, throughout the year. It's just the run defense hasn't been good. You know, not going to run away and hide from it. It's just, it just hasn't been good. You know,
6: two years in a row now. I know the start has been slower mm-hmm. than you guys would have liked. I guess number one, how frustrating is that? Number two, like, was it surprising that you guys finished the year so strong last year and come in and still have those struggles?
8: Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, it's a good question. I mean. It, Last or this year was the first year we really had a full off season and I felt like we put a lot of time in. We did a lot uh, more in terms of walkthroughs. I felt really good about the defense. Some of the new things we put in, um, you know, just, I don't know, for whatever reason, this feels like we, we start slow and some of it may be, you know, the preseason, you don't do a bunch, um, you you face different offensive schemes, you're trying to feel what you do good. Um, but overall, I I really can't put my finger on it.
5: Um, he likes playing inside, but kind of wants to do it less than yeah. he did this year. Is that possible? Like, can there be a role where maybe he does some slot, but isn't every down slot guy for you?
8: I think the more you can do, the better. The more versatility allows us to do certain things in terms of creating matchups and moving people around. You know, when you're in there, it's a little bit different. You know, you got to play like a linebacker. So... um we'll try to find ways to do that. Um, but again, I think the versatility for him is the most important thing Joe, uh, before game day and on game day, when miles has to sit a series, is that, is that a big deal? No, I would want him out there all the time, but we try to rest him. You always want your best guys on the field. Um, in those pass rush situations at the end of the game. Have you gotten the best for miles on Wednesday through Saturday this week, this year? Yeah. Miles has been fighting through it. I mean, there's times when he's not out there practicing. Um, you know, he's dealing with injuries, you know, especially, you know, his upper body injuries. Um, but when he gets out there, he gives us his best. Talk
3: about the discipline and the execution of your
1: defense this year not being maybe what you wanted. Have you seen guys take accountability for missed opportunities, missed execution moments out there on the field?
8: For sure. And that's the thing, I mean, in the games that we played well and we won, like a game really comes down to two or three plays. You make two or three plays. Like say you get off on a third down. Where in a game you don't get off on a third down, you take eight more plays. If it happens twice a game, you take sixteen more plays. So, you know it's when you look at the tape, that's that's what really happens. And there's times this year where we made those plays. You know Pittsburgh game, Cincinnati game, uh, Tampa game, Baltimore. And there's games where we didn't. You know.
5: That Reggie Ragland like graded crazy high um, against the Saints. Did you guys also grade him? Did he have a really good
0: performance? Yeah,
8: he played well. I mean, early on with some of the things they were doing, we had to make some adjustments on the sideline in terms of our alignments. But once he got comfortable, you know, really for his first time being out there, I thought he he played well. Is that just, is that game set up for his style? Um, You know,
5: kind of being a big guy in the middle, would you play him as many snaps moving this week?
8: Yeah, I think you play him and just see what he can do. Um, you know, based off of what he did last week, we definitely have a rotation with our linebackers based on what type of package we're in, but we're going to put him out there and see what he can do.
6: Yeah. In terms of the, the big picture of the defense, kind of going back to Ashley's question about um, kind of two years in the row, you know, starting slow and then finding <clears> your footing a little bit. Um, just wondering, is there anything to, did you maybe start maybe too complex and have to scale things back, I don't, you know, to help guys, uh, you know, make fewer mistakes. Was, has that been a pattern at all?
8: I don't, I don't think so. I mean, our scheme isn't really that big and we really do, the, we do the same things. We just package them differently. And that's what I really tried to eliminate after we started making some mistakes. You know, instead of having double calls or calls based off the formation or based off the back, but we were still running the same calls. Um, but I don't feel like that was a problem.
6: Coming into the season, were
8: you concerned
6: about the run defense or has this been stunning the way that it's kind of unfolded?
8: I was not concerned about the run defense. I know there was questions. You know, the big thing since I've been here, we've had a lot of turnover. And I knew this year we drafted some young guys, so it was going to take time for those guys to develop. But going into the season, I, I wasn't concerned with the run defense.
4: Yeah, in part because you had some good linebackers that – didn't end up being there for you as the season went
8: on. Yeah, this felt like we had our whole linebacking crew back. Um, you know, obviously we evaluated some of the guys we brought in. It just felt like they fit our scheme. You know, and that, and again, most of the our run issues are just execution based or tackling. So it's fundamentals are just really trying to execute the defense.
4: Fabian, um, what would be the benefit? in does he want to play these last two games? Um, you know, coming off of a concussion, and if so. Um, do you think he will?
8: Yes, I definitely think he wants to play. Um, yeah, he was in good spirits yesterday. So, yeah, I look forward to him playing these last two games for sure. We need him.
4: And even though he's been a little bit banged up throughout the year, when he is out there on the field, I mean, he still looks like he's got plenty left in the tank, right?
8: Yes, yes, I I would agree with
1: that. All right, that's Browns defensive coordinator Joe Woods there. All right, Gerard, the commanders go back to Carson Wentz. They throw the ball a little bit more with Carson Wentz. They average about 25 more yards passing per game with Wentz this season. Uh, on the year, 63% completion, 612 yards, 11 touchdowns, 6 picks, 86.3 rating, 2-4. and four as the starter there. Um, They've got very good receivers. Terry McLaurin, pro bowler, over 1,000 yards, 27 shy of a new career high. Jahan Dotson, uh, the young man out of Penn State, has a touchdown, three straight games, seven touchdowns, leads the team. And then Curtis Samuel, 62 catches, 652 yards. He was a stud uh, at Ohio State and having a very nice year as well. they got Logan Thomas. They run it with Brian Robinson. The rookie's got 710 yards rushing to lead the team. We'll see about Antonio Gibson's availability, but he ran for over 1,000 yards last. Year. Um, what do you see from this commander's offense? What are the challenges for the Browns defense?
2: Trying to assess why Ron is making this move. I understand that, that Taylor had a couple turnovers in the game last week against the 49ers. I get that. And you're saying yourself, he's the one who, who I feel sparked this team, was a catalyst to get these guys to play better once he took over and they went away from Carson Wentz. So to go back to him is really perverse in my mind. But at the same time, Carson did have some good numbers in the latter stages of a game that was out of reach <laughs> so against the 49ers last week. So it makes no sense to me why they're going to him in the first place because, again, not to bang on Carson Wentz, but he has not been the best of quarterbacks of late. But with that being said, you like the fact that there are multiple offenses that can do different things. The receivers are talented. Our secondary is talented. So I'm looking forward to that matchup to see how we handle things. The thing that concerns me most is what concerns me about our team all year. How are we going to stop the run? Now, I think having Raglan in there and Jones, they did some good things last week, but obviously the Saints still were productive and beat us on the ground more so than in the air. So that's still going to be the issue. Can we stop the run? And if we can stop the run, like, again, I'll take our secondary on the road anywhere or at home, and I like our chances because we have a talented group of guys back there.
1: Yeah, and Wentz runs a little bit, but not very much. That's not what he's known for. Taysom Hill, obviously, a completely different animal from the Saints last week. But Brian Robinson's been playing well at 100 yards in Week 12 against Atlanta. He's given 100 or more total yards in three of the last four games, and I think you're right. They will run the ball. Wentz, one thing he does well is throw it down the field on vertical passes of more than 20 yards in the air, 14.9 yards per attempt, four touchdowns, a quarterback rating of 113. So we have to make sure the ball does not go over our heads in this game. What's the number one matchup for you in this one? Is it is it the corners and their receivers, or is it our line against their running game?
2: I really think they're going to go our line, go try to run it run it against us. So I'm going to say our line in the running game. I mean, you, you've seen it. You witnessed it. Why would you not try that? Every team has said, you know what, we're going to pass a football. Ultimately, what have they done? Only one team has beat us through the air, in my opinion, and that's the Dolphins. Is that fair to say?
1: Yep. Yeah.
2: I can't yeah, think of another team that has dominated us from a passing standpoint other sure. than the Dolphins.
1: No, you're the rest
2: right. Have been in the run, running game, so why would you not do that? Give it a try. I'm sure they will, but at some point, if they lack in success, they're going to go to a run game. And that's been working for a lot of teams.
1: It has been, and that'll be the formula again. We'll have to see if Gibson is ready to go. Gibson's a guy who's given them over a thousand total yards and ten touchdowns in each of his first two seasons. He's got eight ninety nine and five. Robinson was their rookie third rounder, who remember was shot in a carjacking, right. didn't debut until week five. Still has seven hundred and ten yards on the season and has been playing some of his best football lately. So that will be, yeah, that's going to be a big matchup there. Um, who is your X factor on defense this week?
2: Well, for us on the defensive side of ball. Again, I go back to the guys in the middle. And, and to his credit, haven't given him enough credit. Jordan Elliott actually has been playing pretty good for the past few weeks. Yeah. Credit, it has, it's gone unnoticed because, of one, he's in the interior. We don't talk about those guys because it's not sexy. But he's been doing okay. But this week, we're going to need his services again because when he plays well, our defense tends to play well also. So I'm looking at Elliott. If he can have some dominant presence up front, that's going to certainly help the cause.
1: Yeah, the guys up front. And I think it's going to be about guys getting pressure as well on Carson Wentz. Pressure, he takes a lot of sacks. He will turn the football over. Uh, So, Miles, Clowney, Winovich, Alex Wright, you know, all those guys getting after the quarterback gives this defense, I think, a chance to really make some plays, which would be great to see there. There's nothing quite like tailgating touchdowns and twisted tea. It tastes just like real iced tea. Why? Because it's made with real brewed tea. Cool, refreshing with a five percent kick of alcohol. It's thirst down and goal. Twisted tea, hard iced tea. Keep it twisted when we come back. Final thoughts here. We wrap it up. We'll talk a little bit about the Cowboys Titans game that's kind of turned into an exhibition here for the NFL in week seventeen on Thursday night football. Also, uh Uh, an icon has passed away. We'll let you know about that as well when we come back here. Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet.
0: Cleveland Browns Daily brought to you by BallyBet. Coming soon to Ohio on 850 ESPN Cleveland.
1: Browns fans, catch the Kevin Stefanski show with me and Gerard tonight from 7 to 8 on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Coach and Brown safety, Grant Delpit, join the show as we get you ready for Sunday's game against the Commanders. Big news out of the sports world, Pele, the soccer legend, has passed away at the age of 82. Wow, really? Yeah. Yeah. World Cup record holder, soccer great Pele, dead at 82 years old. So, RIP.
9: Yeah, that's one of the more iconic oh, yeah, figures iconic. in all of sports history. Right. Oh
1: yeah, definitely. Definitely iconic. What Won't be as iconic as tonight's game. Would you like to play a little
9: guess the score, guess the uh guess
1: the spread? Yeah, I'm so curious as to what it opened up at
9: and what it is and now. I I don't have an answer for that. Uh either one
1: of you have a It's got to be two touchdowns. They're not even trying. It's got to be two touchdowns. <laughs> I say 14. They're not trying. I'll go 10.
9: What'd you say? Fourteen. It started at eleven. It's at fourteen.
1: God, oh. I mean, they're not even trying to they're not even trying to compete in this game, which is crazy. Like no and th- I have th-ops. to watch it. And I have to watch it <laughs> and watch Zeke probably run for eight thousand yards, five thousand touchdowns, and end my whole fantasy season tonight. Thanks a lot, Titans. Thanks a lot, Vrabel. Appreciate it.
9: I, I don't I, I that is so unlike Mike Vrabel. Yeah, it don't sound right. I'm like, well, they must race? just
1: be beaten up more than we know about. Must I mean, Henry be. had a hip injury. Simmons was banged up a little bit, so he just wants to get his guys healthy. And I, that I understand. They still have one game to play that actually matters for their ability right. to play in the postseason. I'm going to give you these guys, guys the, this
2: week off. <laughs> I think the Cowboys game. win
1: by a billion.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah.
9: It's a weird – it's Thursday night, holiday week.
2: I oh, mean, Amazon has to be hot.
1: Oh. Oh, yeah. Al Michaels is going to be furious. Sir
9: sure. tonight. Yeah. You, you finally are like, hey, we have the Cowboys, we have the Titans, the playoff atmosphere. Not so fast, well, my not. friend. No, it's no, a it preseason isn't. atmosphere. We introduced you to a nice poop
1: sandwich. <laughs> That's exactly what It's actually what it preseason is. game number it's one. A, <laughs> yeah, it is a preseason atmosphere, which is just crazy. I mean, I'm sh- and there's nothing they can do about it, but I'm sure they've got to just be furious. Absolutely furious. Yes, I would. I would agree. Uh, by the way, can I tell you that this this Washington Media Guide that's three hundred pages. Yeah, it has a, a section that is by alphabetical everybody who's ever played for the Washington football team. Wow. ever. Look hmm. up Ken Harvey. Ken Harvey. While he looks that up, uh, Ken he- Harvey, linebacker from Cal, nineteen ninety four to
2: nineteen ninety eight. Your roommate.
1: Nah, not at all. Uh, he went to Cal. He was just a legend of Cal. Yeah, Ken Harvey. There you go. Ninety-four to ninety-eight played with the uh, Washington then Redskins.
9: A uh, little Commander injury news as the injury report for today is out. Uh, Bostic, the linebacker, not DNP again today with a pec injury. He's not really play.
1: He doesn't really play for them.
9: Correct. Uh, Butler, the safety, with a hip limited. Okay. Uh, let's see, Charles, the offensive lineman, concussion, DNP, uh, Forrest, the safety DNP with an illness.
1: Yeah. So he should he be back. He leads our team with, first time. he leads our team in interceptions. Uh, Charles is around. a backup.
9: Schweitzer is out with an illness. Yep. That's our starting center. Um, St. Saint... Juiced. Juiced. Yep. We'll go with that. Uh, downgraded from limited to DNP with the ankle.
1: Interesting. He's starting
9: corner. Yep. Uh, Tony, the defensive end, goes from limited to full. Doesn't play. And Chase Young, a full participant today in practice as is. well.
1: All right, there it is. Stage is set. Browns Commanders play a little playoff spoiler. That's the goal. That's the, that's the mission. That's the mission right Good.
9: there. Good. Hate that stadium. Let's go. Yeah. Well. Let's-
1: <laughs> we will be there for the new year. Give it will be. It will be in that stadium in the year
9: 2023.
1: Ugh. January 1st, 2023. Crazy. 2022 almost over for the Browns. Obviously, playoff wise over, but still a lot to do. A lot to do. Take care of business against the commanders and then go take care of business against the Steelers. Sweep them. That's going to be the big thing. I think that's that's. You can sweep the Steelers, say, all right, we did something there, 4-2 in the division, swept the Steelers first time since 88. Let's go. Beat
9: the Pukers. Let's get that done, Yeah, let's
1: get that done. Cowboys huge tonight, and this is for real, not just a Thursday night prediction. Cowboys huge tonight. This game's going to be borderline unwatchable. Not excited about it at all. Thanks a lot, Tennessee Titans. Really appreciate it. All right, for Gerard and Gibbe, I am Nathan Zgura saying the next level is next. Thanks for listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, brought to you by BallyBet.
0: You've been listening to Cleveland Browns Daily, a production of the Cleveland Browns and 850 ESPN
8: Cleveland.